When you talk to a teacher at your kid's school, chances are you'll be sitting down with a woman. If you're calling a tradie to get something fixed, it'll likely be a male voice at the end of the phone. These are the stereotypes uh, that refuse to budge in Australia. The Committee for Economic Development in Australia is calling for an end to jobs for boys and jobs for girls. Melinda Salento is the CEO of CEDA. Welcome to RM Breakfast. Thanks for having me. You've investigated the gender gap in different Australian workplaces. What did you find? Well, consistent with how you introduced the, the, the conversation, Patricia, I think what we found is that surprisingly gender, uh, occupational gender segregation remains really prevalent in the Australian labour market. So as you said, some sectors uh, continue to be really heavily dominated by women and conversely, we're still seeing sectors like construction and mining that are really heavily dominated by, by men. That's always been thus, but is it improving? Well, it's always been thus, but I think what we found is that actually, no, it, it's, it hasn't been improving. And I think there's been a lot of discussion about measures to improve diversity and inclusion, but actually we haven't seen as much progress. And in some sectors, we're seeing um, movement the other direction. So even more women in traditionally female sectors um, and sectors like construction, where we've been working hard, still a long way to go and, and very little movement. Did it surprise you? Yeah, I think it did. And, and that's certainly been the reaction of other people who've, who've read the report. I think because there's been so much focus, I think what it tells you is that, I mean, obviously this is a deep-seated problem. Um, there's a big cultural issue here that goes to attitudes and perceptions um, that I think we have to really call out and talk about. Um, and it just reaffirms um, that we need a broad range of measures across government and business to actually really change these conditions and circumstances. Okay. There are some, and we always get this on the text line, who say, why, does, why don't people just accept that some women, women like some types of work and men like other types of work? What's your response to that? Yeah, I think that's not what our report shows and, and what we're identifying is that there's actually barriers to people moving into the sectors that they want to. Um, women are, uh, if they're um, primary carers, are looking for flexibility and if that flexibility doesn't exist, then they have to move into the sectors where it does. Um, equally, there are men who will have a preference and actually be really good at working in some sectors where perceptions and attitudes actually are a blocker to them moving into those sectors. And of course, the caring industry is, is one uh, important one. We currently have a skill shortage, right? W women are deserting early learning. Uh, positions in construction can't be filled fast enough. Does, does tying jobs to a specific gender make recruiting for these roles even harder? Yeah, look, I mean, the reason that we've um, presented this submission to the, the employment white paper process is because there are real economic implications of this. We've got one of the tightest labour markets we've ever seen. We've got really dire skill shortages in emerging tech sectors, but also in the care economy. We need to be able to get as many people as possible into those roles, regardless of gender. Um, and that means we really need to look at the policies that will uh, enable those outcomes. It's good for uh, people looking for work. It's good for people wanting to change to other jobs and occupations. It's good for productivity. So what kind of changes could, for instance, at a Commonwealth level, the government make that would try shift the dial on some of these entrenched sort of gendered issues in our workforce? Yeah, the things that we've called out in the report are um, really continuing the family-friendly sort of policies that we've seen some progress on. So paid parental leave, affordability and accessibility of childcare, really continuing the push on disclosure around gender outcomes across all sectors, including um, not just targets around employment, but gender pay gaps. Um, and one of the other issues that we highlight, 
importantly because we're going to see such strong growth in the tech sector and the STEM areas, is that we've been um, seeing a lot of programs to try to increase female participation, but they're not working. We need to evaluate those programs. We need to look at programs um, that are working. And overseas, we've got some really great examples that focus on uh, leadership and mentoring as distinct from some of the things we're doing here now. Tomorrow, the government will roll out paid family and domestic violence leave, but the government has also committed to reforming paid parental leave as well. How could policy changes to parental leave affect the gender makeup of some industries? Yeah, um, the move on paid parental leave to increase it is a really important one. Uh, but one of the things that we've identified is that there's more work to be done on the detail of that. So how much of that leave is going to be available for primary carers, predominantly women in Australia, who, who take up 99.5% of that leave at the moment, and how much is going to be available for secondary carers. It's really important that there is um, care, uh, leave made available for secondary carers and they're encouraged to use it. Yeah, and they're looking at this take-it-or-leave-it model, right? That's right. Explain to our listeners how that would work or what's the best practice for how you would make that happen to, to create a sort of uh, sharing of um, childcare in homes. Yeah, so the Women's Economic Equality Task Force has been um, asked to look at this and what the detail of the splitting arrangements are. But as I said, at the moment, 99.5% of that leave is taken up by primary carers, so women. Um, and a really, uh, today, there's two weeks of leave available for secondary carers, and that's predominantly men. We're not giving them the opportunity to, to be a part of that caring uh, role and responsibility. So you've got to look at how much of that leave is actually set aside for secondary carers and use it or lose it means if you don't take it, no one else gets it. Is two weeks enough? No, two weeks isn't enough. Um, how, how, how much what might you need then to oh, actually make it meaningful? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of factors to sort of to, that weigh into that. Um, and it's, it's how much time but also the generosity of it because we know from overseas um, if it's not generous enough in terms of income replacement, men aren't going to take it. Business has a huge role to play when it comes to gender equality in the workforce. I mean, that's obvious. How could increased transparency and in reporting on these metrics help even things up? You mentioned transparency before, but and this government has has been doing work on that, but how much more transparent businesses need to be? Look, I think transparency does work. Um, when people set targets, commit to targets and report against those targets, you actually see progress. Um, the gender pay gap is an area that is is um, being focused on more and more, and there are a range of factors that are contributing to that. If I can just take a moment, we've talked about uh, occupational segregation across occupations, but actually one of the things our report identifies is even in female-dominated sectors, men are more likely to be in senior leadership positions. So you're talking childcare centres, a man's in charge, or, but then the women are working. In the caring sectors, yeah. The, yeah. The, in the senior leadership roles, it's men. That explains a bunch of the gender pay gap, if you like, because they're in more highly paid roles. Setting targets around not just who you recruit, um, but how people progress in an organisation and that gender pay gap and reporting on that actually does help drive change. So the segregation that you found wasn't just industry compared to industry, it was internal as well? Absolutely. Is that getting worse? Uh, it's it's not getting better in the way that we'd like it to. So we've got to keep talking about these things. We're, we're seeing that, you know, the same factors that we talked about 
for some time, uh, women having more career breaks, uh, women not moving roles because they don't want to jeopardise flexibility because they're juggling different things, that's actually having an impact on their ability to move up in an organisation as well as to move across other organisations as well. So it's it's a really important factor. We don't have a lot of time left, but obviously there are, as you, you pointed to, international examples. We're not doing well, are we, when we look at um, our, uh, where we're going compared to the rest of the world? Well, the gender segregation hasn't moved, um, and it, and it really does. And you know, I think it's it's it is important. It's not just about saying um, this is what you should do, or we need to see more people in this sector. It's it's about addressing the barriers that are stopping people from being where they want to be, about inhibiting flexibility, and actually, it's about limiting our own productivity and how well we can do at a time when labour markets are so tight. We just can't afford it. Melinda, always lovely to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much. Melinda Salento is the CEO of CEDA, the Committee for Economic Development Australia. You're listening to ABC RM Breakfast. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.